Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Tuesday, October 10th. And on today's show, we are doing a full slate breakdown for the upcoming week six of the NFL. Before I get started, let me do my typical housekeeping and remind you remind you guys to please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform or channel you're listening to. Or if you're tuning into the live stream, you can ask any questions you have throughout the show. Um, if you can sign up for my Substack, I have a free gambling newsletter, the at Fiddlepicks Substack, fiddlepicks.substack.com. Send out best bets of the week every week, DFS updates, podcasts, and of course, every week have a free weekly giveaway. This week is a Justin Fields rookie card coming off that dominant Thursday night performance. Bears go into the mini buy where they come off 10 days rest, and we will certainly get into their game in a bit. Um, Should we just kick this thing off and start with the Broncos at Chiefs Thursday night football? It kind of feels like a get right spot for the Chiefs coming back again. Like I, they haven't been putting all the right pieces together. We'll see if Kelsey ends up suiting up. I bet you he's on the wrong side of questionable. Uh, But it feels like anybody starts to get right against this Denver Broncos team. They can't tackle. They can't defend. Their offense is pretty banged up. Uh, Trades, rumors swirling around Judy, Sutton, and those kind of guys. You could even imagine what they do with Russ. Do we see the eventual start of Jared Stidham by the end of the season? I'm going to guess yes. I'm going to say we see more Stidham, more Jaleel McLaughlin, more those type of guys. Uh, And the P. Ryans and the Judys will probably be phased out of this Broncos team as they go into a rebuild. So a nice place for the Chiefs to be double-digit favorites, minus 10.5 at home. A lot of public money coming in on this line. I have no bets in this game at all. Uh, 78% of the bets, 79% of the money on the Kansas City Chiefs at home in this spot. The real play in this game was the under. So this line opened at 50.5, and it's all the way down to 48 right now with amazing splits towards the under. 55% of the bets, 78% of the money is on the under in this game. So it just shows two and a half points of line movement, a plus 23% in the splits. I kind of feel like we've missed the line with it going all the way down to 48. I kind of feel like there's going to be buyback in this market now that it's crossed through those numbers. And we're going to eventually see this close at, 48.5 or 49. However, I do really like the under in this spot. Let's wait and see where it closes. Let's see if it comes back a little bit. If we end up getting a 49, 49.5, I like playing the under. The fear is that last week's Thursday game went 60 points. The previous Thursday Lions Packers went towards the over. So even though the lines have been moving towards the under, CLV has been a crapshoot in some of this early start to the NFL. And we're seeing these Thursday night games end up shooting over. Congruently, Chiefs have one of the best offenses. Broncos, like I said, one of the worst defenses. Not even just the 70 points against Miami. There's been some other brutal showings by that team. So you question if this is going to be another shootout. And if there's one thing that the Broncos have done well thus far, it's actually move the ball and get into scoring position. So maybe they start to put up points. Maybe also, on the other side, the most surprising thing has been the Chiefs defense. So maybe that's why there's... Been some movement towards the under 50.5 was way too high of a number 
48 is probably 48.5 is probably the correct number. And it probably closes right around there. And I likely have no bets. This is a game you could target in a DFS showdown slate. It's going to be very simple cash games, 50 fifties and double ups, put Mahomes in your captain and fill it out with four flexes, probably with a five flexes, probably with a four, one split favoring the chiefs, get your Rashi rice in there, get your sky Moores in there and hope that Mahomes just, you know, has himself a day. He's the kind of guy who cares about the MVP race. I'll just I'll just put it at that. Uh, these are the spots where he'll try and go off. The London game on Sunday is the first game of the week. This is a Ravens at Titans. Uh, not really. The Titans are technically the home team. They'll probably be the team in the end zones. But uh, they're in London again for this game. Third week in a row. NFL is in London. They have a Germany game later on this season. It's pretty cool what they're doing in Europe. Apparently, the the stands are wild, and apparently the tickets sell out in minutes. So it's actually kind of cool what they're doing. And the behind the scenes people have been saying, I'm going to try and move over a little bit so this light isn't glaring behind my head. Uh, what the people have been saying is that once the technology is more readily available, that the flights can happen way faster to go from LA all the way to London. So across the country and then over to Europe, once that becomes like a six hour flight, instead of a 12, like nine or 10 hour flight, then it's going to be way easier to integrate these teams into and actually set up permanent base in Europe. Uh, London's going to be the first place. And I would eventually think Germany comes on, but okay. Back to this game. Ravens minus four Titans plus four. Uh, Titans are the clear sharp side in the spot. I'm on Titans plus 4.5. I recommend grabbing that if you see it. It's still currently available on DraftKings. I'm on it for half a unit because I don't love London spots. They just get wonky. But these generally are under spots. They're generally kind of gross with the travel. We saw the way the Bills came out looking like they slept. The Jaguars look like they slept well because they spent an extra week in London. Uh, Total's really low at 40.5. So if we're starting to pair these things of getting a good run defense in Tennessee, getting plus 4.5, so you're getting over the plus three, the really important number, in a total that's as low as 40.5, 41 being the most common outcome, and it's lower than that. So it's going to be a relatively low scoring game, a under spot that London is, and the Titans getting the, the points and the hook and probably having a favorable defense. Uh, the Ravens receivers can't hold on to anything. And the Tennessee Titans, strong run game themselves, very strong run defense for Lamar to try and escape upon. So I like the Titans plus 4.5. I have it for half a unit. Again, these London spots are wonky. Sometimes teams travel better than others. Both of these teams are incredibly well coached. Vrabel as an underdog is one of the most elite coaches and is the most elite coach in the NFL. So I like it, but I don't play too heavily into it. Commanders are going to Atlanta. Is it really an advantage show or a fiddle picks YouTube channel uh, live stream if I'm not on the Atlanta Falcons? Because I continue to believe that the sports books have not caught up to the fact the sharps in the market love Atlanta. Maybe it's the fact that people on the public are fading Atlanta in every game. I don't know why, but every single game, there is more money bet than bet tickets on the Atlanta Falcons. It's showing that the bigger bets that are coming in are riding with Atlanta. You want to find people making those big bets because the people that make those big bets are generally betting syndicates and sharp groups that are hammering lines. And you could follow their edge and hopefully get the same line as them 
by line shopping, grabbing another book, and pair these things together. So Falcons minus 1.5 when this line first opened was one of my best bets that I gave out. It is universally at 2.5 right now. I'm still okay taking it. They're really good at home. Their schedule starts to get really easy. They have a very consistent run game. This is being sharp towards the over a little bit. There's not movement, but there's strong splits to show that this is going to move north of the 42.5. So I actually also like jumping in on the over 42.5. I haven't bet it myself yet, but I'm going to look for any 43s to start popping on the board. And if they do, I can actually check that right now. If they do, I'm going to bet the 42.5. Uh, that's the direction that this is going to move. It's just a matter of when and not if. Universally 42.5. Okay, never mind. We will stick with that for now. I will tweet it out if I take it. I'm still okay with taking Falcons minus 2.5. I have the minus 1.5. Of course, the Falcons literally just won by two on a young way coup game-winning field goal. So maybe this one comes back to bite us. Okay, uh, Vikings at Bears. A lot of movement in this game, and it's all relative to the Justin Jefferson injury uh bears open three and a half point underdog moves down to the two and a half that is the biggest move that we can get in football going from the two and a half to the three and a half moving through the three depending on the data that you subscribe to the three happens between 15 and like 18 percent of the time and now i bring this up often mike why would some data say three happens 15 percent of the time and others say 18% of the time. Isn't it just the same outcome? Because we have, it's not, this is an objective stat. The subjective opinion in that debate comes where you draw your cutoff point in the data. So some people like to draw more recent uh, scoring and only go back like a decade. Some people are willing to go back 30 years. So it depends on what your sample size you're pulling for, from. But regardless, any sample size will show you that the three is the most important number in the NFL. Moving from the two and a half to the three and a half is a significant difference. And when you lose probably the best skill position player in the game, that's what happens. The real, real, real uh, movement was the under 48 and a half down to 44 and a half. This was not only the Jefferson news, but also a sharp spot based on the splits. It's impossible for me to know what kind of I, I, kind of bets are coming in when these lines are at different places. Uh, when I have these splits. So I don't know how much of the money that I'm seeing got in at the 48 and a half. I don't know how much of the money I'm seeing got in at the 48 or the 47 and a half versus the two and a half and the three and a half. That's also a difference that I don't know. So I can't see myself betting this game because of the uncertainty around the data relative to big numbers and relative to the injury news. So for me, it's a stay away. Unless you have a strong football opinion on this game, unless you're running a model, this, this game is kind of has just a red X through it from a line movement capping perspective from kind of like the way I system and handicap games. It's just a stay away. Seahawks at Bengals, two and a half or three, depending on what book you're looking at for the line. Seahawks seem to be the sharp side. People are fading the Bengals. Sharps were on the Arizona Cardinals last week. Uh, Burrow finally looked healthy. We'll see if T. Higgins returns this week. Chase looked dominant. He's always fucking open. Uh, there was another guy on the Bengals who got like a sneaky 10 targets too. He's always fucking open as well. Anyways, Seahawks plus three. I kind of like it. 
I kind of like it. I haven't bet it myself yet, but like this Seahawks team is good and they play up to their competition and they are a great coach team with Pete Carroll and they're going against a team that's been underperforming. It's the home field advantage. It's generally that the Seahawks have a dominant home field advantage. So backing them on the road becomes harder. They did just win one before their bye week in uh, New York, Monday night football. So I guess they're on a big rest advantage, 13 days rest coming into this game for the Seahawks. That's a nice edge as well. 37% of the bets, 47% of the money, and the line's not moving. So it's hard to know if the book is reacting to the Sharps or to the public money coming in. Is it just handle-based or is it who's actually betting these? We will find out throughout the week. I have interest in Seahawks plus three. If you're sitting at a book where it's only Seahawks plus two, or let's mention this going back on the board for the Bears. If you're seeing the Bears plus two and a half and you like it, if you're seeing the Commanders plus one and a half and you like it, you know what I'm going to say. These all qualify as Stanford Wong teaser legs. They fit the criteria where if you were going to throw them in a six-point teaser and move the commanders from plus 1.5 to plus 7.5, you're crossing through the three, you're crossing through the seven, and you're gaining value. If you do it with the Bears line, you're going from the 2.5 to the 8.5 in a game where the total is dropping like a gravity. Got 9.81 some per second downward force on this line. Uh, then that holds a lot of value because it becomes even harder for the Vikings with Cousins on the road. He's not as good on the road with Chicago being a weather-impacted city. Teasing the Bears, talking it through now, teasing the Chicago Bears to plus 8.5 is a a sneaky move this week with the movement of the total and the situation of the game. Uh, You could do that with the Seahawks as well. If you're only seeing a 2.5 with the Seahawks, you could essentially tease it to plus 8.5, but I would also wait on that. That game is a 46 and a half total with no movement, but trends looking like it's going to come down towards the under. So another place where stacking a plus points correlated with a total moving down inherently holds value. And of course, I pointed out four teaser legs, but we don't do four leg teasers. We do two leg teasers or we do three leg teasers. The rules for those is Two-leg teaser should be a minus 120 in the odds. Three-leg teaser should be a plus 160 in your odds. And the way to choose which bet you are taking and which bet you are pairing with one another is not just which one your confidence level is. You want to pair teaser legs that ideally don't kick off at the same time. That will decrease your variance because objectively, if your first leg of your teaser leg loses, you can then put the second leg, which still carries value, in another teaser and pair it with something else. You can either reattach it to another game in that slate or keep an open leg for a future, you know, game. Take a look ahead line, something like that. So pairing teaser legs that don't kick off at the same time is another added bonus. Uh, 49ers at Browns. This is a sneaky game where the line movement suggests Vegas knows more and we have not found out that Deshaun Watson is going to be out for this game. That is my prediction right now. Deshaun Watson is not playing this week. And P.J. Walker will be the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns this weekend. They are at home. 
The line opened at plus three, which is probably where it should be as a sneaky trap game for the 49ers. If they were road favorites minus three, that would have red flags all over it. Everyone would be slamming their minus three. I would be looking for some reverse line movement or the book just holding firm, just taking in that 49ers minus three money. It's now 49ers minus five and a half on the road while the total dropped five points from 42 and a half to 37.5. There's no way. Oh, I have to take the banner off of the show. The show already started. All right. There's no way that this, like this, you, you have two and a half points of movement towards the favorite on the road and six points, five points of movement towards the under. Make that make sense. Deshaun Watson is not playing this week. Book it. Where can you find the odds of if Watson plays? That's the bet to place on this game. Take PJ Walker's over 0.5 pass yards right now. Is Nick Chubb playing in this game? No. Is Deshaun Watson playing this game? No. 49ers continuing their undefeated stretch? Yes. Are the Eagles? We'll talk about that soon. Uh, Saints at Texans. Line opens 1.5, flashes to 2.5. It's back to 1.5. I got in when FanDuel first posted this as Saints minus 1.5 at a minus 104. Now, if you were here for last week's show, you would remember that we talked about how much is that point, that hook worth from 1.5 to 2 because we were sitting on that Falcons minus 1.5 line versus Falcons minus 2. This is the same situation where I knew or I foresaw it going to minus 2.5 or minus 2. And I saw the odds at minus 104 on the minus 1.5. So I knew that it was six cents for the two moving from minus 104 to get to, to, to be a minus two at minus 110. That was the same line in value purposes. Let me say that again because it's confusing. Minus 1.5. You know what? I just said it backwards. Minus 1.5 at minus 110 would have been the same value as minus 2 at minus 104. And the reason why I bet the minus 104 on the minus 1.5 was because I was even getting that added bonus. That's why I did. Okay. And now we see this line coming back to one and a half or twos across the board. There's actually a lot of money on the Texans coming in. But I really think that's people teasing it. I think people teased the plus two and a half up to plus eight and a half right where it got there. I'm sorry that was confusing. I think people took this Texans plus 2.5 when it got there and bumped it up to plus 8.5 in a game where the total opened at 40.5. And just like all these other spots I talked about, that's Stanford Wong teaser criteria, taking the underdog with points at home in a very low scoring total. That checks all the boxes of handicapping. Just doing those things, you can replace the team names. If it fits that bill, if the books are pricing it this way and you play into those spots, you are objectively gaining value. If you just like do that exclusively, play into long teaser legs in low-scoring games, taking home underdogs with the points, you will win. Uh, your bet volume will be very low, but you will win. So that's what happened there. 
Uh, the total is now actually up to 42.5. I was on the over at 41. I would I would probably avoid this. If you got the 40.5 when it, it either opened at 40.5, it moved to 41, it flipped back to 40.5 very quickly, and now it's all the way up to 42.5. So it's been a lot of movement, but generally went towards the over. It was a spot that I was looking in the look-ahead numbers. I had that circled as something I wanted. Uh, Texans throw well on teams and the saints are starting to put their offense together. Uh, I like the saints in this spot. I think the saints are a really good team. I think their schedule starts to get really easy. And I think this is a buy into them early while the market's still low. I think that people are still kind of into the Texans. CJ Stroud is shown to be very good. And now they lost on the road on a game winning field goal by coup. Okay. People are forgiving of that. I'm going the other direction. I think the Saints are clearly the team to to uh, to own. And for that reason, Saints minus 1.5 is a bet that I like. I was on the over 41. Overs and favorites are correlated. But I don't know if I'd played at the 42.5. Let's go to Lions-Bucks. Another fun one to talk about. Lions been dominant team this season. Defense stout. That'll come back up. Uh, injuries looking like Amonra is going to play, but we'll see about Gibbs. Uh, and if is will Amonra be 100%? No, probably not coming off injury. 77% of bets, 78% of the money on the Lions. Very public handle, a lot of bets, no movement. Uh, it went from a minus three at minus 110 to minus 120. So it moved the juice, but not the line. Bucks coming off a bye week. Defense, a lot of veterans. Bye week helps that. Very stout. Lions generally a home team playing on the road. This line's not moving off the three. I don't see it ever going to. The play here was the under, and it opened at 46. I hit it right away. Uh, it stayed at 45.5 for a while. I was okay with that. Now it's down to 43.5. I would. We know how important 44 is, so I would just wait to see if this possibly pops back up to 44.5 because I would imagine when Amon Ra is in, then we potentially get this to bump up a point because then the Lions offense is going to be able to move the ball a little bit better. So I really like the under spot. There's not much money on it, but there's clearly big money on it, like uh, big tickets, but not tons of volume. People are going to buy the Lions over. People are going to buy the Baker Mayfield over. People are going to buy the good weather Tampa over and all those situations. I go the other direction. Uh, really good defenses. Golf struggles on the road. Will Mayfield possibly keep this up against another great defense that gets to the quarterback? Mayfield's percentages on the run, on third down, after he's taken one hit, he's like first in the league in everything. It can't keep up. This is a clear underspot. If you can get it above the 44, that is a win in my opinion. I have it under 46. I will not be buying this back. I will be letting my full exposure ride. That These markets are so sharp that you generally, if you can get 45 and 44 as a push, you would do it. You really generally would. Maybe I'll reconsider this as I talk it out. Sounds dumb not to. Uh, but I think that under 46 is such a strong read. Patriots at Raiders. Oh, man, these Patriots are so bad. Uh, look ahead number was 1.5. Uh, 
Patriots shit the bed on Sunday. Bill, worst loss of Bill Belichick's career. Raiders play Monday. So the line reopens after the Patriots lost before the Raiders win at 2.5. Then the Raiders win and it goes to three. So there's a lot of different variables to, to take here. This is another where based on the splits, we uh, don't know where the money's coming in. I will say this is Bill Belichick after the worst two losses of his career going up against a former uh, coach of his. Belichick has been so dominant in his career over people who formerly coached underneath him, who then went on to get head coaching jobs. Besides Brian Flores in Miami, Belichick murders his coaching tree. He's cutting branches left and right. So... I don't know if it's possible to back the Patriots right now. They have no good cornerbacks. Who the fuck's going to guard Devontae Adams? Uh, I have no idea. So it's sneaky to grab the Patriots plus three plus the money line. It's really sneaky. I kind of think I'm going to do it. I haven't done it yet. I'll tweet it out if I do. It's 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 very appealing to me, as I'm sure you guys can tell by the tone of my voice. 42.5 in the opening total, moving down to 41.5. 80% of the bets, 90% of the money on the under. Definitely an under spot, which just makes you feel better about taking that plus three. Unders are correlated with underdogs. You're getting the plus three as the most important hook. You're probably getting the best line that you'll see. I don't think this is going out to 3.5 on the Patriots Raiders. So an under spot just makes me feel that much better about grabbing Patriots plus three and Patriots money line. But if you actually have been watching this New England Patriots games, which I have because I've been calling them a good team despite their record, that's been my the worst thing I've said. That's been the biggest pie on my face was calling the Patriots like sneaky good at 0 and 2 and like not that bad at 1 and 3. What are they, 1 and 4 now? They're atrocious. They're almost as bad as the New York Giants. Uh, Eagles at Jets. Eagles, one of the two remaining undefeated teams in the league. Them and the 49ers seem to be the class of the NFL. I'm going to talk about a futures bet in one second. Uh, Eagles are open as a minus 6.5. It's moved to minus 7. It presents a nice teaser spot because of the way the total's moving. It's also moving down. So you don't want to back a full touchdown favorite in a game where there's 41 points expected to be scored because it's that much harder to win by more than a touchdown in a low-scoring game. If this was a 51 total, I would say ride it. Take the 6.5. Take the minus 7. This is a situation where if you think it's going to get out to minus 7.5, it probably won't. What do you think the Eagles versus the Chiefs are on a neutral field? That's an interesting conversation because Chiefs at Jets were a nine and a half point favorite and then it dropped to 7.5. Now the Eagles are minus seven and I kind of think the Eagles are better than the Chiefs this year. So then does Eagles minus 6.5 or minus seven have value? Yes. Does the low total scare me? Yes. Just talking these things through. Uh, I think it makes for a nice teaser leg. Chiefs minus 2.5, Stoney, on a neutral field. That's what you think? Okay. I mean, I guess we just saw it in the Super Bowl, right? Teams aren't that different. I mean, the Chiefs 
having lost Juju just seemed like, and Juju's not even doing that well for New England. It it just seems like a, I don't know. I don't know what, I can't explain the Chiefs receiver situation. And I don't think it's all because the Kelsey injury. Um, Anyways, I think this makes for a nice spot to tease the Eagles down to minus one. We'll see how the total reacts. We'll see if it gets to 7.5, but that's kind of the way I'm leaning. Was that the Monday night football game? Did I just go through all of them? Oh, no. Okay. Few of them left. Uh, Arizona Cardinals at the LA Rams open as a five and a half because uh, these Cardinals have been sneaky good. Cardinals did not look good against the Bengals at home. Now they go on the road to LA where it's a divisional game where McVay has been dominant against the Cardinals. I know it's a new coaching staff there, so we'll see. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, pretty impressive as a coach so far, but the Books aren't buying into it. They're still buying the Rams. 77% of the bets, 92% of the money on the LA Rams. This looks like to be a Ram spot with all the movement. If it it, it does present as another teaser leg, uh, since it's at the seven, if it gets to seven and a half, it would qualify for one criteria. But with 92% of the money, there's no reason to wait. The, the one way that you break Wong teaser criteria is by assuming that the line is eventually going to get there and then telling yourself, I don't want to have to wait for a minus 1.5 to technically fit the rules if I could just get the minus one now. Your still ticket at minus one holds more value if you gain closing line value on that. So I wouldn't get wild and start breaking it from nine and a half to three and a half. Like that's a forbidden, absolutely not. I would not take the Jets and take them like, uh, six and a half to 12 and a half. Absolutely not. No way that would be dumb. So you can't do that, but you can take a seven to a minus one if you expect it to get to 7.5. Uh, New York Giants, which being it on a Tuesday and this game happening five days from now, it very well could. Like we are going to see a lot more movement across the market. Uh, game totals at 48 and a half there. A lot of money towards the over. A lot, 59% of the bets, 95% of the money. That game opened at 46 and a half, so it's moved through the 47, moved through the 48. Uh, that's a tough place to play, but we know that these two offensives have been really impressive. So I would say another situation you wait and you potentially come back in a buyback spot on. If you think that this Cardinals team is sneaky good, then anytime you get plus 260 on a money line, going the other direction. I just have to mention it because I don't have any bets or leans. I'm just talking through the numbers here. But anytime you get like two teams that from our preseason priors were probably relatively similar to each other. We were expecting the Cardinals to be the worst team in the NFL. We were expecting the Rams to be a bottom 10 team in the NFL. It's an any given Sunday game of inches type of league. It's a divisional game, which means you're that much more familiar, but the caveat here is we have a new coaching system and a new quarterback for Arizona. So McVay doesn't have as strong of a familiarity coaching edge because he's probably better. He's actually in a division with Pete Carroll and Kyle Shanahan. So I'll I'll plead the fifth on that one. You guys can determine who's the best coach. Um plus 260 sneaky on the Cardinals. It really is. Okay. New York Giants at Buffalo Bills. Money starting to come back in on the Bills. Early money was on the Giants. 75% of the bets, 71% of the money right now on the Buffalo Bills. 
minus 14. I generally stay away from these massive favorite games in a football sport that has as much variance as this. But um, the the big movement here was the under. It's it's has to be Tyrod Taylor related. Tyrod Taylor revenge game from being drafted to the Buffalo Bills. It was actually pretty good there for a bit. But uh, 38% of the bets, 60% of the money on the under, it was up to 48 point. It was up to 48 at one point, not 48.5. Up to 48 at one point. Now it's down to 44.5. We, I think Daniel Jones is going to be out. We'll see if Saquon comes back. Um, I don't know if I could get in on Bill. Bills can put up 45 themselves against this atrocious Giants team. Giants are going to need clearly defensive touchdowns to score in the NFL this year. Uh, that does remind me I had an under on Daniel Jones's passing touchdowns in my NFL futures. So that probably wins now. So you, you take under bets in preseason futures when you're not rooting for injury, but you think the under bet can win even despite the full schedule. So that was the impetus to bet Daniel Jones like under 18 passing touchdowns. I mean, he literally had zero through the first four weeks. So I was off to a great start, even if he played 17. You never wish injury upon someone, but that is the reason why unders hit at good rates. Uh, That is the reason why the majority of my portfolio is. I'm not actively rooting against these guys. I'm picking places. I'm actually a Giants fan if I had to choose one team. Uh, I'm picking places where the line makes sense for an underspot for a 17-game portfolio and then taking the added bonus. Ugh, it feels gross to say of how injury-prone the NFL is. Okay, I hope you get the point. I'm not rooting for injuries. Uh, underspot in the Giants game, but you don't know where that money came in. Cross through the 45, cross through the 48. It's 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 tough to still play into that spot. 47 is important too. Cowboys, Chargers... The Cowboys are the sharp side in this game, and I think I'm going to look for them at some point. Right now, the Chargers are a plus two, so I'm sure people are going to start teasing the Chargers. I don't love teasing the Chargers here. We've talked about it plenty of times on this show, correlating important angles of teaser bets. It's not as valuable to get the the, the Chargers up to a plus 8.5 when the game total is 50.5. You would rather take... The, who was it? The Patriots doing that. You'd rather take the Bears. You'd rather take the Commanders. You'd rather take the Seahawks Bengals. Like all of these with lower totals makes more sense to take the plus points. In this situation, the Wong criteria that fits is taking the plus points on the Chargers, but it doesn't work as well with the total. The one place where it does work is it's, a Monday night game. So you get the added advantage. The, w- the way that you would play Chargers plus eight, if that's your preferred play for this game, my preferred play is probably going to be Dallas Cowboys against the spread. But since that game's six days from now, and we're not in key number territory with this going between 1.5 and two, not getting to 2.5 or three anywhere yet. And I don't think it's going to get to 2.5 or three with Cowboys on the road. So no reason to jump in now. There's a power of waiting. The power of timing bets is important. The, the, the Simply watching the screens, knowing where the splits are, tracking these things will let you know when you want to get in at the right time because there's a chance that we get a weird injury report later and something changes. There's a chance that a weird weather situation comes to LA, although 
I'm in Southern California right now and I don't think anything's coming. It's always beautiful every single day here. Paradise. So you never know with these things. So you don't want to jump in too soon, but you always want to jump in at the right time. There are times when the you strike while the iron's hot. When news breaks or lines start moving through multiple books and one's, one or two are left. When it's through a key number and you want to grab it now because the split suggests eventually it's going to happen. But between 1.5 and 2 as a road favorite after coming off a stinker with the Chargers coming off their bye? Explain that to me. With the Kellen Moore revenge game? With the Trayvon Diggs injury? Explain to me why the Cowboys are favorites in this week. Felix asks, do you ever make a bet on a look-ahead line? Yes, Felix. Uh, I did it this week on the Titans versus Ravens. The reason why I did it was a few reasons. The Titans were uh, a a London underdog. I knew the London games are always under spots. Uh, I knew I was in week five, which has happened. I had a bet on the Titans, and I had a uh, fade on the Ravens. I was betting on the Steelers. And I was betting on the Titans. Then we go to the look of the next week and the Steelers are playing the Ravens. I mean, the Titans are playing the Ravens who the Steelers who I was betting are playing against. So if you expect the Titans to overperform and you expect the Ravens to underperform, then there is impetus to one way to add exposure to get in bigger on a line to say, okay, I don't want to go bet three units on this line, but I'll bet one unit and I'll put half a unit in the look-ahead spot because I'll clearly gain an advantage here, and maybe it'll even move through a key number. The one place it could actually screw you is in the reverse if there's a big injury. But, like, you know, the the look-ahead spots that I really like and I often talk about would have been playing the Patriots. I mean, I'm just going to... Who do the Packers play this week? I think the Packers are on by. Um... What's a good example of this? Uh, it was week one, the Jets-Bills Monday night. And the Cowboys were playing the Jets at home week two. The Cowboys looked dominant in week one. We did not know how the Jets were going to look. The Bills were the sharp side in that week. So knowing that the Jets were going from a Bills match to a really good-looking Cowboys team early in the season, and we expected the Jets to underperform in the previous week, then that was a great reason to go bet. It's a kind of a half look ahead because one team's played their match and the other team's waiting because then you get the, again, gross bonus of if an injury happens, you call it sad CLV. You're not happy it happened, but it obtains you closing line value. So I had bet the Cowboys money line at minus 162. And then it moved to minus 400 because Rodgers ended up getting hurt. So there's plenty of look-ahead spots that you bet. You're doing it based on the splits. I was also looking at the splits for the Tennessee game, and I knew that Tennessee was probably the smarter side for that game against Baltimore. Now I'm going back to this week and the look-ahead bet I made. Before any week five games happened, I had already bet week six Titans plus 4.5 in London. And the reason to do that was splits, knowing the situation that London is, knowing I was back in the Titans, 
knowing I was fading the Ravens, understanding the situation of the Titans are a very run-heavy team, add that to the underspot, add to the situation that the Titans' run defense, I mean, looked like shit on Sunday against Zach Moss. Not even Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss. I heard a funny joke. It was like Zach Moss learned that you could make $14 million a year playing running back, and he came out like, oh, watch this. <laughs> he was auditioning for his next job. Um, so, yeah, those were a lot of reasons to enter the look-ahead market, and I will always tweet those out before, like, definite, when I place the bet, I tweet it out, so make sure you're subscribed to the at Fiddle Picks Twitter and subscribe following. And then it'll go in a write-up on the Substack shortly after. Uh, I just went through every game. I will hang out for like another one or two minutes. If you have any questions about any line, I'll answer it. Otherwise, I will promo the DFS podcast that we got coming up later this week. I will be joined, as always, by Alexander Cohen on Thursday to break down the entire week six DFS slate. I get lost in the weeks. Tomorrow, I will be recording a NBA awards podcast with Gibby, bringing Gibby back onto the pod for NBA uh, awards, going through all the odds. But I don't really bet NBA awards, and I'll talk about this at the start of the podcast tomorrow. Not going to be a live stream, just an off-air podcast, and I'll put the video up on the YouTube. Uh, I record the... I, I, I always do an NBA awards conversation with Gibby every year and we'll center the conversation around the odds. However, we don't, I, I really don't bet those markets heavily. I have zero bets placed for NBA awards right now, especially this year where I think the NBA is going to show tons and tons of uh, parity and consistency. I don't know where the elite is going to come from this year. Um, so yeah. Stoney says, can you go over the San Francisco Browns one more time? You like Browns plus five? No. Well, yes, I can go over it again, Stoney. Uh, I think it's a no bet situation because I think what the the answer is, is Watson's not playing. Is Watson confirmed ruled out? I was just going through the line movement trends and understanding the money and what's happening in the total to quickly go through it again. Uh, it opened at San Francisco minus three, which was a huge mousetrap in itself, which was the biggest red flag probably on the gambling board of this year. The 5-0 49ers looking like steamrollers. Uh, Three-point favorites against the Cleveland Browns. Um, and then the total went from 42 to 37.5. So to me, this was a no-brainer that Deshaun Watson was going to be ruled out. There's no way these odds makers. So I can't, unless you got in and the splits previously are so confusing for that spot because we don't know if people got their bets in before the Watson news broke or before the line moved heavily or how many ticks it moved or did it just drop. For me, I just saw it go and I didn't see it as it was happening. So for those reasons, I didn't get in in the right time. I can't get in once the moment's passed and I can't understand the relative information I'm getting to that spot. Uh, Felix says, when do you place a bet on a look-ahead line? For example, San Francisco, Minnesota next week has San Francisco at minus seven, which seems pretty low to me. Felix, where is that game? Is that in Minnesota? 
I would assume that's in Minnesota if Minnesota is the second team. I'm going to assume it's San Francisco at Minnesota. Minnesota is, yes, lost Justin Jefferson. Um, skill players generally aren't worth that much to a line. We saw the Bears line go from two and a half to three and a half. If there is going to be a skill player that greatly impacts the line, it's going to be Justin Jefferson. The movement was only one point this week, but it was the biggest one point of movement you could possibly have. Uh, I, it, the, the the Vikings are have the second best home field advantage in the NFL. So if you, eh, to me, that seems like a correctly priced line. Let me go quickly see if I could see any splits for it. No, I can't see any. I don't have any. I don't have any information of like where the money is coming in yet on that line or where it opened. I could quickly check where it opened. Sorry, bear with me. So this line actually opened at 49ers minus 2.5. 49ers minus 2.5 was the original line, was the original look ahead going from San Francisco at Minnesota. Now Jefferson's hurt. Now San Francisco looks amazing. Now Minnesota looks horrendous and it's out to seven. So I don't think it's going to go much further than that because we know that there's some people who got money in at the 2.5 before like huge news breaks and, and, shocking results in the market there's some people who already bet that and if you move if you're just like letting the line movement essentially self-tease this number you're inviting so much money on the back end for a minnesota plus 7.5 on the other side as a home underdog by more than a touchdown with a great home field advantage i personally don't see that happening for me this would be a hold off don't bet it and see what happens this week if you're eyeing the 49ers then wait for it to possibly reopen at a 6.5 or wait for it to reopen. Like there was too many shady things in the 49ers line, even before the Watson news that was sketchy. And there's too much confusion around the Jefferson news and, and, and the Vikings bears game this week and how that line moved to then forecast betting it the next week. I hope that's a good answer. It's my way of telling you in a lot of words. I don't know. Uh, or I don't have the information needed to know to properly answer your question. Uh, All right. Thank you guys for everyone tuning in. We got a high mic from Howard Fiddle. We got a high from Jill Heller. That's mom and dad tuning in for a quick second. All right. Thank you guys. As always, next week, I am traveling on Wednesday, the 18th. Tuesday, I'll probably do the show, but I'm going to have so much going on that I think I'm going to just do it not as a live stream, and I'll just put it up. TBD on that. If I have the energy and I have the capacity, I will do it, but I'm thinking that I'm going to hold off and just do it as a podcast, and I'll throw it up. I'll throw a tweet up to ask any questions, and then I'll be back to doing live streams the following week. I'll be doing NBA mentions, uh, NBA podcasts, live streams, bets, DFS stuff. I have a lot of exciting NBA stuff to talk about, and I will uh, 
talk about it on tomorrow's episode. I'm going to shut up because there's some cool stuff coming for the NBA season. NFL is finally rolling. We're coming off a winning week. We have five bets already, and they all have positive closing line value as of now. Let's see if there's more. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Peace out.